0: Okay, ladies. Well, I have the honor and privilege of introducing our speaker to you. She is Jean McClure, and she is my mother-in-law, my mentor, my friend, and um, come on up. Um, she has been a pastor's wife for over 50 years, and she is my favorite speaker. And <laughs> she's so fun So we wanted to. I know she taught, she taught on our Christmas party last year, but. We wanted to get you the best speaker there is out there. So we had to have her come again. So she's <laughs> But um, anyway, so um, she'll tell you more about herself. But let's welcome her. I'm so blessed to have her in my life. It's so fun. We're good friends, too. Isn't that nice? I tell women, they say, you know, they have sons and they're going to get married someday. And I said, I'm going to give you some advice. Make good friends with your daughter-in-law. Because you know what? I just think it's so fun to have girls. I love my boys dearly. Girls. And the thing I love about Brenda is we just have a neat spiritual connection. We love to talk about the things of the Lord. And it just is such a blessing. And I have to tell you, I'm so proud of them. I mean, she called me about a year and a half ago, and she said, "I just want to tell you something, Mom. We decide we're going to go all the way, and we're opening up this church. And if Michael goes to jail, we're okay with it. And if we lose our house, we're okay with it. But we're going to go all the way, and we're going to open the doors for these people." And I just. I have to say, I was so proud of her. It's tough for a wife to say. And so I'm thrilled that my children love the Lord. I get no credit for this. This is God's doing, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful. You know, I think if your kids turn out at all okay, it's just like God's mercy and grace in this day and age, isn't it? You know, you you put it all in the computer and hope it comes out, and it doesn't always. So I just praise God, and um, and I'm I'm just so So thankful. Well, it's Christmas time and I do love Christmas. And when she asked me, I just thought, you you really want me back again? (laughs) She was so sweet. And so I do love Christmas. So I came and I love you all. And every time I come, I get to meet more of you because um, I was here many years ago. But I'm telling you, every time I come, there's a whole bunch more new people I didn't know. And I have had so much fun asking new questions and getting to know you. And seeing your tremendous love for the Lord. You're hungry. And I'm thrilled. And I'm thinking, what neat fellowship we must have with each other here. It's exciting. I told Brenda if I lived in town, I would surely go to this church. <laughs> but we live in Southern California. So um, I do listen on, on my phone regularly. Don and I you will turn you in to listen to you. If he's not speaking somewhere else that Sunday, or if we have an opportunity, somehow we do that. So and catching up with you, and um, it's been exciting to watch what's going on here, and I say, you know, hallelujah, God reigns, and that's what this whole theme is about tonight, He reigns, amen, you're all here, and you're having a great time, you left the world behind today, all the crazy shoppers, and all of the nuts, and all all the things that are out there, and, and the grumpy people, and you came, and it's just fun to be together as Christians, isn't it? And just have yeah, that sweet fellowship. I love it. It's just like, thank you, Lord. And you kept telling your children to be kind to one another and love one another. And that's what you see here. You see that. And we'll know we're God's children by what? By our by our love. And I can really, really see that. Well, um, I love Christmas time. I love so many things about it. I love the fact that we have carols. I'm listening to the music tonight. They're just worship songs, really. It's telling the whole story of Christ. I love the people gathering and family and meals together and friends. I even love the decorating and the poinsettias, which are so beautiful. Um, One of my favorite things is the manger scenes because it really tells a story. And as a, a child, my mom had one in the entry hall, and I would love to sit and play with it. It wasn't gorgeous it wasn't huge but it was just perfect for me and um it made it a visual illustration it's good for children and it it really painted that picture of what christmas was about and and really showed me jesus's love that he would come and do that and i love the fact that in the christmas carols you can be in a store you can be wherever i was at the beauty parlor this week and the gal who runs it is not a christian and she had on the radio, and they're playing Christmas carols, and I'm listening to the story of Jesus, and I'm trying to tell her, but she's real quiet. But I just said, you know, that just told the whole story of Christmas, you know. And um, You know that song that says, do you hear what I hear, a child, a child, and I'm thinking, I want this woman to come to Christ. She came from um, Vietnam when it was communistic. And so she she gets all that side of the world, and she sees it coming. And um, I just wanted to have peace. So I just try and tell her about Jesus. My girlfriend goes there too and she witnesses to her too. But I just think here, I'm sitting in her place and the music is playing on the radio and it's just the story of Christ. I go, yes, I love Christmas, this is great. We can just um, hear about the Lord and and think about that even though everyone doesn't believe in him. Um, A few years ago, when Brenda was having one of her babies, I think it was number four or five, I'm not sure. I lost, I lost track. But Daniel was just a, a young boy and, um, he came up to me while I was up there helping her and he says, calls me Mimi. He says, Mimi, you know, my birthday is coming. <laughs> I go, yes, it is. Did you have a plan? I do. What would you like for your birthday? Well, I really, really would love a bill to build a bed with a saber and all this, and I go well I can't take you shopping today because I've got your mom we've got a new baby here and all this to go on and I can't leave her but I'll tell you what I live near a store that has that stuff and I'll go home and I'll go get the one you want and I'll mail it to you would you like that for your birthday oh that'd be great that'd be just great so he's all relieved happy bounces away so I send it, I do exactly what he wanted, I go to the store, have him mail it, and about a week later my my phone picks up a message on it. A voicemail. And it's from Daniel. And so he goes. Mimi, it came. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just great. It's got a saber and blah blah blah. And he went on and thank you and I love you. And then there was a pause. And I thought, is he done? What 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 is this? silence and then his voice said and I'm thinking that you're saying I love you too I just thought that was so precious and then you know I go visit them and Ruthie who is the five-year-old um she's just quite something else that would be full of I wish I could bottle her energy I'd be rich you know but you know what that child she comes to me she's so excited you're here you're here she wins she wants to kiss me on the lips, big kisses right on the lips. And then she hugs me so tight, I can't believe it. And then she shows me her muscles. <laughs> I feel so loved. I have a granddaughter that is my oldest granddaughter. She's in her later 20s, and she lives in Nashville, married with a little boy. And um, she has quite a story and quite a testimony. And she's been a great blessing in my life and we're very close. And I get texts from her that says, I love you so much, Mimi, and I miss you. And I just think, I feel like the wrench. my heart's just blown and exploding with the love of the grandchildren. And I think, you know what? Everybody wants to be loved, don't you? It just is so wonderful. Children wanna be loved, adults wanna be loved, your parents still wanna be loved. And you know what? When I think of Christmas, I think it is the greatest love story that was ever told. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You shall have heaven when day. Think about, we talked about this in the book of Mark when I did the Bible study. What is heaven? Well, its streets are paved with gold as gates of pearl. There's going to be no moon or sun there because God is the light of the city. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no criminals. There'll be no locks on your door because there are no burglars. There'll be no AIDS, Alzheimer's, or cancer. There will be no COVID. Thank you, Jesus. There will be no um, death. There'll be no more separation. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no more tears. And God will be there. And it will be perfect. Don't you want to go there? I do. That's how I got saved. I was seven years old at Mount Hermon, just over the hill here by Santa Cruz. And I don't know what the preacher said that night. It was a summer summer time. I was with my mom sitting in the second room. And they said, you, you know, like, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And I decided I really did not want to go to hell. I heard it was really bad there. And I wanted to go to heaven. And that's what really drove me to raise my hand and accept Christ. And I just have been rejoicing in that decision ever since. Because I've got a lot to look forward to. And you that know the Lord, you have a lot to look forward to. It's going to be awesome. So I was in the bookstore in Southern California in Raul Reese's Church, which is another Calvary Chapel down there. And his wife was talking to me, and she was stalking the bookstore. And she said, Jean, I've had the worst time finding nativity scenes for ornaments. they are getting rare and rare to find. And I went home, and I really thought about that. And I remembered a few years ago, they tried to take nativity scenes down. Do you remember that one? That didn't last. I'm so glad. And I just, I thought about that. And I said, you know, I thought, years ago, when I was a kid, everybody knew the Christmas story. Most people I knew, a lot of them went to church. A lot of them at least knew Jesus was born. Look at the old, old movies in those eras, And the books. It wasn't, you know, just thing, well, he wasn't here. It wasn't, you know, it was just a different era. And I thought about how today they're trying to erase it. And more and more people that you would ask would not know the nativity story. They would not know that Christ came or even why he came. And it's happening in a nation that is more and more drifting away from God. So this is the deal. You're the light. You're the light in a very dark city. Just like the candles on your table. That's what you are. And you need to share the Lord. People are going to say to you, why are you so happy? Why are you so peaceful? You better have an answer for me. And you can just tell it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you know what? The Lord will open those doors. Get up in the morning and ask him to open opportunities for you, just to let your light shine. You know, to take Christ out of Christmas is to take away the very meaning of it. It is the story of his birthday. It tells the story. Of God's relentless love for us, who was in that manger scene as i as I looked at it, there's a few characters now we have the wise men in it, but they really weren't there because they came later. We think that maybe it was a couple years later because Jesus was around two years old when um, they went to Egypt, so it could have been in that time that maybe they saw the star when he was born, and so um they they came. But before the shepherds came and before the wise men came, the prophets told what was going to happen. They wrote it in books, and they left it behind. And by the Holy Spirit, they had it absolutely accurate as to how we came. You could not prophesy as many prophecies that Christ was coming and have them be absolutely so perfect. They told that one would come that would redeem us, the Son of God, who would save us from our sins, that he would die. It says, as a lamb before the slaughter, he opened mouth his mouth, and we were talking about the crucifixion. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons, and I say, and as daughters. The prophets in the Old Testament told us not only that he would come, but exactly the date when he would come, and exactly what town he would be born in, and they were absolutely correct on all of it. He was born in Bethlehem, and the date was perfect. What happened during that time when he came? You know the story. Rome ruled the world, and I think of Christ coming at that time in history, I think When God thought about it, what time would he have the son be born? I think he's coming back for us. What time is he coming? I think it's coming very, very soon. Because Jesus said these things are going to happen in the world. And it's going to be difficult. And don't be afraid. Because I told you he will come. And he's going to come for us. And he came the first time. And I thought, what an interesting time that he came. Because he came when Rome ruled the world. You know, we're afraid that someone's going to take us over and rule us. And they did. And so they taxed and they had to go. um, Mary and Joseph had to go a long distance from northern Israel to southern uh, to Jerusalem towards the south. And um, they didn't even look there. What are the chances that they would have to go to Bethlehem just at the time that Christ was going to be born? What are the chances of that? There's no chance at all of God being on that. So when that was foretold, that was absolutely accurate. I don't know that anyone expected God to come the way he did, in a manger, in a stable, an infant, poor. I don't you know, humble. It's very interesting that Jesus did not take the easy. He took a very difficult way to come. And it didn't, and you know what? The scripture says he was a servant. He didn't come ruling over us. He came humbly to sin, to service. And I often think when he healed people, he often went to the worst person in the practice He would reach out to that person that was so needy. And I love that picture of him because that's who he is today. He reaches out to the most needy one in the world, And he says, I love you. I am here for you. Scripture in Philippians 2 says, And who being in the very nature of God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself like becoming obedient to death, even the death of cross. He sets a great example for us of how to behave as a Christian, that we need to be kind, we need to love one another, and we need to serve one another. I often think the last picture he gave of us with his apostles was washing their feet. And what did he say to them? You do the same to each other. Well, the shepherds came I don't know, but if I was a shepherd that night and I was out on the hills, maybe they were young guys out there taking care of the sheep, either some older man. I don't know. But if they were out there taking care of the sheep, maybe they were even some girl shepherds, shepherds of food. The angels, I have to be politically correct. The angels, the angels came. And you know what? I just kind of think they were in heaven saying, can we just tell somebody? We're so excited. He's being born. We just have to go tell him. And they came out in the sky to the shepherds. And they said, "Um, don't be afraid. I love that. If I saw an angel, I'd probably be scared. Would you? I mean, I don't know, but I might be. Because most of them in the Bible work. They usually had to start out with, don't be afraid. So don't be afraid, they said. For behold, maybe all of them showed up at once too. So maybe that would have really scared us. But they said, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Don't you want to hear that today? Don't be afraid. All of you in this room living today in this city, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people everywhere in all time. For there is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, for men. It says a multitude. We don't know how many. Maybe the sky was filled with angels. Wouldn't that be just the most incredible sight? Well, when they left, the shepherds go, Oh, we're out of here. I don't know who took care of the sheep, maybe the dogs. But they left. And they ran. And they went to they went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, just as the angel had said. And they worshipped. And then they went out into the city and took everyone Wouldn't you? You won't believe what happened last night. I can just imagine I'm going through the city and witnessing to people. You no, know, um, we live in an age of, in the last few years, of discouragement and depression and fear. It's all in the, in the whole world. It's not just here. I just was, you know, talking to my daughter, a granddaughter that lives in Nashville, and she was saying that her in-laws are Australian, and they were supposed to come for Christmas. They're not coming. They've just locked down Australia again. And they, um, they're um, they pretty, pretty cool to the, um, you know, to the natives that live there, and they are finding them if they leave their house, you know, and walk too far past the market or whatever they're doing. I mean, it's unbelievable. I thought Australia was kind of a fun country, but it changed my mind about it. I don't know who's running it. And then I just met a Canadian last week, and they were saying, we're sick of it. We're just sick of the news. Um, I got on an airplane the other day with a gal that had just was flying back in Germany, and I said, I hear they're protesting there. She says, it's awful. They were just protesting in the streets, and, you know, it's all about the vaccine, and and then Israel just got shut down again, and, you know, I talked to people from Portland and Seattle. The people from Seattle said, you know, it used to be a good city. It's horrible. And I, I'm looking at the world, and I'm thinking there's more suicides and, and depression, and people are discouraged. But I've got good news for you. When Christ was born, so was our hope. And oh, when you sang those Psalms tonight, didn't you feel it? Didn't you feel that hope in Jesus? And that's the light that you need to shine in your neighborhood, and in your city. It says He came to redeem us, to buy us back. To redeem means to atone or make amends for sin and evil. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, we were cut off from God spiritually. They were put out of the garden. Death entered the world. Satan began to take charge of a lot of things. And God decided that someone had to pay the price to rule us back. And he sent his only son, and you know what? Jesus is filled with all the love of God here and he came. I think to look at the word redeem, when I was a little girl, I heard this illustration and it made it really clear to me. There was a little boy and he made a sailboat and he was so proud of it. And he lived near a lake and he would go, um, putting his sailboat on the lake all the time and it would go sailing. And one day the wind kicked in and it took the sailboat away and he could not find it. He searched and searched, but he couldn't find it. And one day, sometime later, he was walking downtown in his little town and in the, Toy store window was his boat with the for sale sign on it. He ran home, he broke up in his piggy bank, he took all his money and he went to the toy store and he bought it. And he said to his sailboat, I have you twice because I made you and I bought you. And it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. He created you and then he wanted to buy you, he wanted to redeem you. First Peter 1 tells us that you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Redeemed and cleaned, I say, new creatures in Christ. Your past record is expunged. And I know that Satan throws it up in your face, does he not? You don't deserve this. You don't deserve what God does for you. Remember what you did way back in. I'm telling you, that is not God. That is Satan. Because he wants to defeat you. He's always out to defeat you. Discouragement is his big calling card. Just say, in the name of Jesus, get behind you. And you go on with the Lord, and you just start praising the Lord. I love that Corey Boom says, Your sins are buried in the depth of the sea. And there's a sign up that says, No fishing allowed. Max Licato put it this way. God takes you just the way you are. But he loves you so much, he doesn't leave you that the process of redemption in your life, you are redeemed, but that process of redemption will continue all your life until you see the Lord Jesus face to face. And by that I mean he is growing you up, he's maturing you, he's blessing you, he is just causing you to be more like him so that when we see him, we'll behold him like mirrors and we'll reflect him because he's made us into his image. That is a miracle, but that's what he wants to do. I don't want to die and face him and be ashamed. So it's it's the job of being redeemed and redemption every day. Lord, forgive me for my sins. What do you want to teach me today? And what do you want me to do for you today? I'm here to serve you. You know, I had a brother-in-law, Ronnie, who was my husband's youngest brother. And um, he loved Jesus so much. He was fascinated with prophecy. He was always telling us about prophecy. He was studying it. He went to a great church. They lived in Charlotte. And um, he was so excited. But he began to have some health issues. And my husband said, Ronnie, you need to go see a doctor and see what's wrong with you. Maybe they can fix it. You know, so, you know, um, he finally went to the doctor. And it ended up he had Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a horrible horrible disease and it was a horrible way to die and we um, just watched Ronnie through that whole process and we traveled back there and see him when we could but you know he would call us I remember walking in the neighborhood and he would just call me he go gee I just really figured out that the most important thing in all of life is to love God with all your heart and I got to thinking about that and he nailed it he really did. and then he would call my husband And he would say, don't feel sorry for me, Don. I'm about to close my eyes and see Jesus face to face. He longed for that moment. In fact, he would tell his friends, don't pray for me. Pray for my wife. She's the one who's going through the hard time with this. I'm excited. I can't wait to see him. And you know, he never complained. It was just amazing to watch him go through this horrible disease. He was just nothing but praising the Lord and he couldn't make it to me. Isn't that a great way to be? You know what that does? It casts out all fear. I remember one time, um, I was asking Michael. I visited up the, I don't know, it was Permanal or somewhere, and people were just grumpy. And, I, you know, if you didn't do this or you didn't do that, and, and they were just not kind about it. And I said, why are people so upset and angry? And he said, Mom, they're scared. I said, What are they afraid of? He said, They're afraid they're going to die and they don't know where they're going. And I got it. And I looked past the mask and into the eyes of people in the grocery store. And I go, They are floating. Oh, you need Jesus. There again, you have to be a light to those people. They don't know where they're going, they don't have the hope that you do. That you're going to go to heaven where the streets are paved with gold, and that you're going to see Jesus face to face. So, me, don't be afraid to tell him. Life's too short these days. There's no messing around. Would you just say you know Jesus loved you? Because that's the best way to win people by loving them and by telling them how much Jesus loves them. Well, the wise men came too, and um, to worship him. They had looked for him, and I think that they were wise because they studied the scriptures, obviously, and you know, Daniel came from Babylon and that's the area they came from. My guess would be that they probably had studied what Daniel had written because he really prophesied the birth and the timing of it. And so when they saw the star, they knew that that was the star for the Lord Jesus and they came and they headed towards Jerusalem. And when they got there, they came to Herod. And Herod said, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me get the religious leaders. And they said to Herod, we are looking for the king of the Jews. Well, that just set Herod off because he was just a horrible, wicked, jealous man. And so there's no other king but himself. He thought, he was so horrible. Do you know he killed, I think, three of his own sons or had them killed. He was just awful. And um, the religious leaders weren't much more of a help. They said, well, they did help in this way. In the scriptures, it said he's to be born in Bethlehem. Until so they left, and they went to Bethlehem, but we never read that the religious leaders left and Why is that? They were the religious leaders, and they didn't go. You know, you can be very religious and not know anything about Jesus Christ. So it's really important that it's not religion, it's a life in Christ, and that makes all the difference. They didn't go. They were lost, and they had no hope. Herod went on after the children and killed them from two years old and under. It was rough times. It was awful. And an angel came to Joseph, watching over that family, and said, you better get down to Egypt now. And Joseph was not need it. And he took the baby and married, and he went down to Egypt for a period of time. We romanticize sometimes about the nativity scene because I just love Christmas and I romanticize about it because I just think it's so awesome because I think about his birth. But when you really think about it, it was so glorious, but the road there was full of difficulties. And you think of what they went through traveling all those miles when you're nine months pregnant on a donkey. cannot be an easy thing. And then the thing is, I know if I have flights delayed or, or things and I'm up forever because the plane got canceled or whatever is happening these days everywhere. And I can't wait to get where I'm going and have a shower in a bed with clean sheets. And it's so exciting. And she got there and there's no room to me. And they go to a stable. Talk about germs. I mean, thinking of putting your newborn baby in a manger where animals have eaten on it. I know Joseph got fresh and clean straw of it. But still, when you think about this picture, it was really difficult. But you know, I love that about Christ, that he came into a world that he didn't make it easy for himself or, you know, for what he was doing. You know that Christ invented electricity. He created it and he went to bed by candlelight. Do you know that he made the law of aerodynamics? He never flew in an airplane. He walked everywhere he went. It was not easy. It was not an easy time, and yet he did it. Why did he do that? And then he took the cross, the worst execution you can imagine, because he loved you so much. It is a great love story, you know. Not everybody has it easy at Christmas time. And the fact that they had gone through these difficulties is just a comfort to me. He understand. We have a high priest that's touched with The feelings of our infirmity. And maybe some of you are going through hard times this Christmas, especially if you've just become a widow. I have a girlfriend that lost her husband, and she said that first Christmas was the worst one she's ever had in her life. And it can be really tough. It can be so lonely. Maybe it's family problems. Maybe it's financial stress. Perhaps a lost job or a lost business, which is happening everywhere. these days. Maybe your world suddenly blows up, like with COVID, and we never saw it coming. Like when the doctor says, we have cancer. Those are things that can happen suddenly in our life. There's no guarantees. But you know what? Jesus walks through those things with us. He doesn't say that he'll take away all of the difficulties of this world. He doesn't promise that. He promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. God had a very close watch over his son and that precious family. They went through all they did. And you know what? God used all those things. They were planned. The fact that he was born in Bethlehem was exactly how it was to be. So the fact that they were taxed, they could think, oh man, she's going to have the baby. How can we take this trip? And yet God knew all about it from hundreds and hundreds of years before by the prophets. also says that Jesus would come out of Egypt. How would a child born in Bethlehem come out of Egypt? Well, we know because of Herod. And it says, out of Egypt will come my son in Hosea 11. Everything was perfectly accurate. Chaos is not difficult for God. Because he is God. You know, it says he sets up kings and takes them down. I've prayed about that verse a lot in the last few years. And I go, God, just take care of us. But you obviously put people where they are supposed to be for a reason. And this is the thing that Michael said to you last Sunday. Praise God for these rough times. Because they're bringing people to Christ. People that feel discouraged want hope. And they're more open to the gospel than they've ever been before. Um, when you wake up in the morning, God is there. When you go to sleep at night, the Lord is watching over you. I have a little granddaughter that suffers with um with nightmares. Not Brenda's girls, but and one of my others, and um, she would say to me, "I've been having nightmares, and can you pray for me?" And I would tuck her in bed when I had her at my house, and I said, "Taylor, we're going to pray for you." And I prayed that he would put angels around all the doors and windows of our house and keep her from nightmares, and the child begins to sleep peacefully at night. And you think that's what Jesus does for us. He takes away the nightmares. You know, when you're going through a hard time, I just want to share this, and I'm finishing, that what you do when you're going through a really hard time the other day I was going through some difficult situation and I remember looking up in the sky in my backyard and I saw a silver airplane, we live near an airport, way high, way high in the sky. The silver airplane was just a dot in the sky. And I was looking at it and thinking, you know, that's kind of how God sees the world. He's way above all this. And you know what? We need to fly above the bed. And we need to say, Lord, let us see things from your eyes and not get consumed with all the stuff to do. But let's look at it from your point of view. And his point of view is, I'm coming soon. And you know what? Our theme verse is so awesome. I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to read a couple verses around it. It is the greatest verse. It says in the end that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The whole world right now that is telling you they don't believe in Jesus, they will bow the knee and have to confess. They won't make it into heaven if they haven't accepted it. But they will see it. They will know. So let's skip to the end of the book, okay? And look at Revelation. And the verse that I'm going to read to you is our theme verse tonight and a couple verses around it. It is a verse you need to memorize. Put on your refrigerator. And um, it is a verse filled with hope. It takes place in the very end of time, in the beginning of eternity. It takes place in heaven, and it takes place in the throne room of God in heaven. Men and angels are gathered around the throne, and this is what it says. Revelation 19. After these things, I heard a loud voice, the great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Verse 5. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and those who fear him, small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, I think of Niagara Falls and that tremendous, you know, noise of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering sang, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, Omnipotent, reigns. He reigns. And you have a choice. Some of you are here tonight and you may say, I don't really know him, Gene, like that. And if I were to die tomorrow, I don't know if I would go to heaven. And you want to go there. It's going to be wonderful. I want you all to just close your eyes. I'm going to close in prayer. And, to, and then you're going to have another song People, we finish and you leave. But just close your eyes. And I just want to give anyone a chance who might not. Be sure that you will go to heaven when you die, that you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just want to make sure. I just want you to raise your hand right now. No one else looking around. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone in this room that you are not sure that you know the Lord and you want to know this one Jesus who loves you so much. Yes, I see that. For others. Yes, I see that. Anymore. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to go to bed tonight and not know and not be sure that we're going to be in heaven with Anyone else? Now, those of you that um, raised your hand, I'm just going to pray this prayer, and I want you in your hearts quietly to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me from all my sins. I thank you, Lord, We're dying on the cross for me. And I ask that you would come into my life, into my heart, and you would be my Savior and my Lord. I'm going to follow you with your help. And I just accept your Lord Jesus as my Lord. In Jesus' name. Those of you that have accepted the Lord, I just want to say this. Tell someone. Maybe the person who brought you. But it helps to acknowledge him. And you know what? They would love to help you. And there are Bibles here, right, Brenda? They have a Bible that they want to give you. So we want to help you. And the most important thing you do, write this date down. It's the best day of your life. And get into reading the Word of God. This church is reading through the Bible, right? Amen. Every Every two years. And they just are finishing. And you know what? I've seen tremendous growth in your lives. And I know that's what you are doing. God bless you. Thank you.